So a couple things before we get started. Um, one, I kind of thought this topic was um, funny because I thought those who would come to this topic are probably people who don't need it. Um, like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, be, be like, uh, you know, efficient, be a good student. Like, yeah, I'll be there. It's like, well, you're probably the one who doesn't need to come, right? It's like the straight-A students go to study hall. It's kind of that. So, like, you guys can probably teach me in this. Um, and then second... I didn't think that there was tons and tons of say on this, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my my little spiel, um, and then uh, we're gonna do a and A. So if you guys have any questions uh, related to this topic or related to life in general, um, I want you guys to to feel free to go ahead and, and ask it. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, sound people, do I have to stay up here since there's hardly anybody here? Can I stand down there during Q and A and stuff? I can relax and. I can say it anywhere I want? Yes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right, um, let's get started. Christian work ethic. Um, first and foremost, well, if you guys are writing anything down, which you're probably all super good students, so you're probably all writing it down. Again, you don't need this. Um, we as believers have a boss who supersedes all of earthly bosses. Um, that's one thing to, to keep in mind. As a believer, when it comes to work ethic, um, you have someone who is over you who's more important than everyone over you, okay? Um, we are to, to live our life in a way to bring God glory. We are to use everything we possibly can. Um, now, if this is true, that we have a boss who's above all others, um, then the way we work actually becomes a form of worship, like how, how you work at your job, how you work in school, how you work around the house. Like every, every time you are exerting effort, whatever that, that is, it is a form of your worship to him. Because the, the way we live life is to bring him glory. It's part of loving God with all of our strength. Um, I have a buddy of mine here from our church and I was kind of going over this with him and I was like, I don't even know what I'm gonna say. And he was like, well, I always thought of like work ethic as like loving God with all of your strength. I'm like, that's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> that was so much better than everything I wrote down. Um, so he's absolutely right. We are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we give our physical effort as, as part of how we love him with all of our strength, which means you can write that paper to the glory of God, which means you can mow the lawn to the glory of God. You know what I mean? Whatever the work is, we do it for God's glory. So when someone does ask, if they ever do ask, we can point it to Jesus. Like, well, no, the reason I, like, I don't want the best looking lawn because I want to impress people that I've got a nice lawn. Like, I just want, I want to make Jesus happy. You know, like, I just wanna give him the best. Like, he's given me so much. I wanna give uh, so much back. So how we work as a Christian, it supersedes any pay. Um, it, it supersedes any benefits because, again, what we're doing is we're working um, for the glory of God. Now, a great example of this is Paul. Um, if I think of a, of a worker in the Bible, I naturally think of Paul. Paul had a reputation as one who worked. We know this. If, if you'd like, you can look at it. Um, Acts chapter 20. 
Um, as Paul is finishing up his second missionary journey, he's heading back ultimately to Jerusalem, um, and he's, he's planted churches all along the way. That's his first missionary journey. His second, he's going back to strengthen churches as well as to um, establish new churches. And so he's, he's spent a lot of time in the city of Ephesus. He spent three years there. And while there, he formed lots of relationships. And so he wants to meet with the Ephesian elders before he heads back to Jerusalem. So he, he asked him to meet him at a port city called Miletus. And so they all gather together. So Paul is talking to a bunch of pastors, a bunch of people that he trained and equipped, and this is what he says. He says in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 18, and when they, that's the pastors, had come to him, he said to them, you know, listen to this, from the first day, not like, you know, once I got my bearings. No, you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. I mean, just listen to these words. From day one, And every day thereafter, this is how I always conducted myself. Listen to the next word, serving. This is the Christian work ethic. From day one and every day thereafter, we commit to serving. Serving, note, the Lord. We're not just serving people we are, but we're serving people as our service to the Lord. When you're preparing Bible studies, you're doing as a service unto the Lord. And I don't care if that's a first grade classroom. You're teaching Sunday school. Like you shouldn't just be like, oh, well, they're first graders. So whatever, I'll just open up the Bible when I get there. That's not to the glory of Jesus. Like, yeah, he can use that, but that's not to the glory of Jesus. We are to put forth the effort. Paul says, I'm serving the Lord. Notice this with all humility. Now, not always, but often. The reason we don't put effort is actually because of pride. The reason we don't put effort is because we go, well, I don't need to put effort. I've done this. I'm good at this. I, I, I can just mail it in and it's going to be better than other people. Um, I, uh, when I taught junior high, I used to teach on a circuit. I taught seven years, and I taught on a three-year circuit. I would take them through different books of the Bible. I would take them through um, Ephesians, or sorry, um, Genesis, um, Philippians, and James. And I just was on a circuit. Um, every, every three years, there's a new group of kids, right, because it's junior high. And so I was like, I'll just do this for three years. And so I taught through it, you know, two and a half times. And going through it the second and third time, it was very tempting to just be like, well, whatever. Like, I've already done this. I already have the notes. I'll just get up there and just wing it. Every time I was convicted, every time I thought that. Because the new kids deserve better and the Lord deserves better, right? So even though you might have the ability, you still, as a believer, put forth the effort. Notice, serving with all humility, no pride, with many tears in trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. So he didn't stop because it got difficult. That's a Christian work ethic. I don't stop just because it's difficult. I tell people all the time, I don't know why God called me to what he called me to because I hate studying. Like, I hate it. Um, and we, we have other guys, like Hunter is one of our leaders who's here. We have a guy on staff named Joel. They love to study. Like, I, Joel runs our kids' ministry, and I walk into his office, and he's always studying. I'm like, what are you studying? <laughs> like, you don't have to teach anything. Like, why are you always, he's like, I'm, I just love to study. I'm like, man, I wish I had a drop of that in me. Like, because I'm like, okay, okay, I got to study today. <gasps> Okay, here we go. Like, I mean, like, I got to do it. And I'll, like, I'll sit down to do it. I'm like, oh, I got to check that one thing. Like, I mean, like, just like, I'm so distractible. Like, it's so difficult for me to study. That's not an excuse to not study. As much as I want it to be, it's not an excuse. I have to put in the time. 
have to put in time because it's not for me, it's for the congregation and it's ultimately for the Lord. Now, verse 20, he goes on, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now go down with me. I forgot to note where. Sorry. Okay, go to the verse 31. Therefore, watch and remember. So he just gave him a whole spiel of very practical advice for pastors. Now, therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. That's <laughs> as much of a work ethic as you're going to find. It was every day, and it was night and day with tears, okay? So there's effort, there's energy, there's, there's sacrifice putting into this. Verse 32, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. L listen, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands and you, you can imagine him teaching, right? These hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. What? The apostle Paul, the super apostle. He said, when I was with you, I worked to provide for my needs. I didn't want anyone to say anything of me. I didn't want anyone to go, well, he's only in the ministry for money. Paul's like, I didn't take anyone's money. In Corinth and in Ephesus, Paul didn't take money. Paul worked. In other places, Paul received um, support, and, and that was his, his uh, primary occupation. But in these places, Paul was a tent maker. Again, we see a Christian work ethic. We find no excuses to not serve the Lord. We find no excuses to, to not work. Paul could be like, well, you know, I had to make tents, so I was busy. We, we see all that he did, taught them night and day. He, he taught them the entire counsel of the word of God, even though he was bivocational. They're just incredible work ethic. Um, then verse 35, and this is where we'll finish. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We see the work ethic then therefore is actually a gift that we give to others. As a pastor, my work goes into the, the messages that I give. And so my work, it's been said, is like um, preparing a meal for the congregation. I, I can prepare a really, really bad meal. Like I can swing by McDonald's real quick, you know what I mean? Like, and just throw food at them. Um, other people have said when you use old sermons, it's like feeding the congregation like a mother bird, right? You're regurgitating. I'm like, that's disgusting, uh, right? I can do all of that, or I can say they deserve better. If, if I'm gonna have a guest into my house and I'm gonna make them food, like I live in Jacksonville, Mexican food is not an actual thing that exists there, right? People have things that they call Mexican food, but it's not. I'm from Tucson and my dad is Mexican, so I learned what good Mexican food is. And he even taught me how to make a lot of Mexican food. So I will brag about Mexican food and people go, well, where can I get good Mexican food? And I always say at the Sousa house, like at my house. That's the only place in Jacksonville you can get good Mexican food. And so they'll go, okay, well, can I come over for it? Like, sure. So if someone's going to come over and I'm going to make them good food, I put in lots of effort, lots of work, the finest ingredients, right? Like I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. It's the same thing when it comes to our service. Any service for the kingdom, 
Whatever that service is, we're to put forth our best because again, it is a form of worship. Now here is actually the word I think is for most people who would come to this session. Listen carefully, this is the flip side. If we're not careful, we can get the false notion that our hard work is actually the answer. And it's not. It's not. We, we work really hard and we go, oh man, like if, if I just you know, put in the elbow grease, then I'll be blessed. It's not true. Some of the hardest workers haven't succeeded as much as other people in the same field who are lazy. It's not just the work ethic, sorry. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor, so then what's the answer? Well, we honor the Lord and we pray that he blesses our efforts. We put forth the the effort and we just pray. Recently, um, and and currently even, our church is in Proverbs chapter two. We're in the second half of it, but the first half of it, verses one through four, it's all human effort, right? We are to receive wisdom, we, we are to pray, and we are to seek. That's verses one through four of Proverbs two, okay? It's all our part, it's all effort. But then verses five through nine, it's all the Lord's blessing. It's if you do this, then God will do this. You see, he's, it's a deal that we're making with him. It, the, the effort isn't the reason, but without the effort, there isn't the blessing, okay? That, that, that's the point. The answer is that God is honoring the effort with blessing. So I encourage everyone, work as hard as you can, but don't put your faith in your own effort. Okay, that's, that, that is a foolish endeavor. All right, that's what I had, 20 minutes in, and that's it, and we have 40 minutes left. I'm like, what else are we gonna say about this? So if you guys have any questions, I'm gonna get comfortable. I'm gonna come down here with the people and hopefully not mess the mic up. Ugh. But do you guys have any questions, anything about life, anything about this, this whole topic that you guys want to ask? Yeah. I feel the same way. So half my family's Christian, half my family's not. Um, my, my real dad is not a believer, and my brother is not a believer. And my brother's life aim is to tear down Christian teachings, Christian beliefs, attack, um, it, whenever I'm around him, like, you know, you say it's polite not to talk about religion and politics. That's the only thing he talks about. And it's because he disagrees with my religion and my politics. Um, it, it is absolutely exhausting. Um, I just feel like I'm constantly on guard. Um, and it's, it is very discouraging. But here's how I've been encouraged recently is um, whenever my brother goes through difficult times, it's amazing who he calls. He calls all the Christians. And it's, it's incredible. Um, and he'll say things like this, like, I don't get how you guys can be so loving, so kind, so accepting, so awesome, and so stupid. Like, how can you, you guys, like he said to my, my dad, my, my stepdad, he said, you're the smartest person I've ever met, and you're so stupid. Like, how is that possible? Um, and recently, my brother's actually visiting Jacksonville right now, and he's, he's been softened because he and my real dad had, had a big old fight when my, my real dad told him he was engaged for the 12th time. Um, like, I wasn't kidding about that number. Like, that's le, like le, the legit number. He's been engaged 12 times. Um, and my brother finally had enough. And so he, he called him on it. They got in this big fight. And then my brother turned to me and he was like, why is it that you're so loving? Why is it that you're so forgiving? Why is it that you're so easy to talk to? Why is it that you, you accept me for who I am? And I said, well, I gave him three reasons, but the first, I said, my faith. 
Like I, I don't hide my faith from my brother and my dad at all. I talk to him like I'm talking to a Christian. I'm like, oh my gosh, God blessed us so much the other day when he did that. Like that's just how I do it. Um, I, but I don't preach at them. Uh, you know, I, I don't say, well, dad, you know, you're not gonna find happiness in another relationship. You're only gonna find happiness in Jesus. I don't, I mean, because I've done that. Like I, he knows, he knows where I stand. Like he, and so at this point now, it's just a matter of living it. Um, and so I'll live it to my brother. I said to him, the, the number one reason is my faith. And I told him, I was like, bro, the differences between you and I, like you look at my brother, he's, he's such a nice guy. He's so funny, he's smart, but he struggles keeping a job. He's been addicted to pain pills, alcoholic, you know, all the things. Um, he's divorced, like he just struggles. And I said, the only difference, we had the same exact upbringing. The only difference is I have Jesus and you don't. Like that's it. Like, so the reason I love you is because Jesus tells me to. Like, that's the number one reason. I go into other reasons too. Um, but you just love them. Stay consistent. They're gonna continue to attack you and you continue to have joy. Because this is the reality. They can come up with, with all of the arguments. They could even beat you in an argument. Like my brother, if I, if I debated him on all the stuff that he studies, he'd probably beat me because I don't study those things. I don't, I don't care. I have faith. I trust the Lord. Um, so he could probably beat me in that. But what he cannot do is he can't deny the joy in my life. He cannot deny the, the love in my life. He can't deny the fact that I've lived according to the principles of this word and I've just reaped blessing after blessing from it. And when I say blessing, I, I'm not talking about, you know, financial or all, I'm talking about I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like it's like all the fruit of the spirit. Like it's all the things that the world wants and the Lord gives freely. And so he, he can't deny that. Like when he looks at all the Christians in his family, he's like, why are you guys all so happily married? It's like, because we follow this book. He's like, oh, you follow that misogynistic, sexist book? Like we're all happily married. Like, yeah, we follow this book, you know? Like, so just, just live the Christian life in front of them. Don't feel this pressure to have to always preach. Don't be ashamed of it. Be ready to, you know, to talk about it. But, but be unashamedly joyful. Be unashamedly Christian. You know what I mean? Talk about God. Like when I'm talking to my kids, I always talk about Jesus. Like, oh man, Jesus is so good that he blessed us with this. That's the same way I talk to non-believers. Yeah, anybody else? If not, we're gonna sit here for 35 minutes and we're not gonna talk. That's really hard. Um, I actually think that's harder, dealing with, with uh, lukewarm Christians or apostate Christians or you know, hypocritical Christians than the world. Because with the world, there's such a clear contrast. Um, with the hypocritical Christians, they go, no, I, I believe all the same things. It's like, but you don't live it. And so then it feels like you're a judge. Um, so... I would say as, as long as you're not in sin, in the Christian sins, like pride, judgmental, um, legalistic, if you're not doing that, then say what you're gonna say. If you genuinely are struggling with the sexual jokes and like it's, it's a stumbling block, well then just say it. Like, hey dad, that's a stumbling block for me. Like I would really, it would mean the world to me if you didn't talk like that around me. Um, but if it's legalistic, and your pride is what is behind you talking to him, then do not talk to him. Because that ain't gonna produce anything good. Because all that that's doing is it's a different type of sin. That's why I call it the Christian sin, right? Because it just puts you on the moral high ground and then you're just gonna always look down at him. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. It's, that, but that is hard. That is a hard balance to strike.
That's a great question. What's my favorite promise from the Bible? What we talked about today. I, I struggled for, I was really discouraged. This past, since COVID, it's been the hardest like, time of my life. It's been very, very difficult. And I've had just lots of struggles um, physically, lots of struggles with relationships, lots of different attacks coming at church. And um, I was really frustrated. I was being the victim and not the student. And um, I, I said to Jesus, why? Like, why me? Why do I have to go through all this? And then I said, I hear pastors, I listen to teachings all the time. I love listening to sermons. And, and you hear them talk about the promises of God and how you have to build your life on the promises of God. And I was so <laughs> discouraged, like, like, you know, just a rebellious two-year-old, you know, whatever, just being super mature. I'm like, I can't think of any promises in scripture, Lord, that I can hold you accountable to. Like, I was just like, you know, really upset. And so I'm listening to a teaching and the guy was, so I'm not reformed in my theology. Um, I, I respect people who are. Um, I have heroes of the faith who are, but I'm not. And I don't mind that people are reforming their theology. What I can't stand is regardless of the theology, when somebody is pushing their theology so hard on people. And so I'm listening to this pastor and that's all he's doing. And I'm so frustrated. And like, I'm, I'm like, like complaining with God, like I was just in a really bad space. And I'm like, I'm not gonna keep listening to this clown. Like, if he's just gonna, like, I'm talking to Jesus. If he's just gonna keep telling me what I have to believe, I'm not gonna listen to him. This is ridiculous. And I, and I didn't hear, like, the Lord's voice, although if I did, I'm sure it'd sound like Ken. Um, but I, I, didn't, I didn't hear the Lord's voice, but I felt the Lord say to me, can I not speak even through him? And I was like, I'm, seriously, guys, I'm driving and I'm seriously having conversations with the Lord like this. I'm like, yes, you can. And so I hit play. Reluctantly and begrudgingly, I hit play. And I kept listening. And the guy got into Romans chapter eight. And what he talked about was that last point that I said. He said, guys, if God is for us, he's talking from the place of, of reform belief on God's sovereignty. I believe the same thing. We are in complete agreement. And he says, if God truly is sovereign, and if God is for you, then nothing can be against you. And when he said that, it was like, I know this, but just a light bulb went off. And all of the things that I've been viewing as my unique struggles that no one could ever understand, it just changed. It like changed. And I was like, you know what? Even these things that I feel so victimized by are actually for me because of this promise. And so this now, this promise, like when, when Zach texted me and asked me to teach that, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I have been camped out on this promise for a year. Um, like this is what I always go back to when I'm comforting people, when I'm comforting myself, I always go back to God is good, God is sovereign, and he will use, he will use this for the good. That's by far now my favorite promise in scripture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, here's how I'll, I'll speak to it. I'll give you a proverb. The fear of man is a snare. You guys know what a snare is? It's an intentional trap that hunters leave for, the, for whatever animal they're, they're looking for. That is how Proverbs describes the fear of man. If we fear the Lord above fearing man, we're free. We actually get to hide behind 
the fear of the Lord like, like a, a shield because it's the reason we decide what we do. So I'm the same way. I'm a people pleaser at heart. I hate conflict. I hate it. So that's why, that's why COVID was so hard for me because like every decision I made, half of the room hated me. Like it didn't matter what it was, right? Um, and it was very, very difficult. Um, so people pleaser at heart, struggle with it. But especially in ministry and as a Christian, when we can say, well, this is what God's telling me to do. Like I can point to it. It doesn't matter then what anyone thinks. If we're trying to please everyone, we're gonna fail and no one's gonna be happy. Because if you try to please everyone, which I've tried to do it as a pastor, like I make this decision, then this person complains, so then I adjust the decision. Well, then this person complains, so I adjust this decision, this person complains, and we do a full circle. And, and now everyone's mad at me. <laughs> it's like, man, this stinks. Like you can't please everybody. That's why it's a trap. So if you can look to the word of God, like, I'll give you a practical example. I, I do marriage counseling. I do pre-marriage counseling. Um, and so a couple will come in, and, and we have our little, this is our little secret. So if you guys are going to get into marriage counseling someday, this is, this is my little tip for you. You give them um, a questionnaire, and on the questionnaire, you put the address. Like, so name and address, right? And then a questionnaire. If the addresses are the same, do you see what we did? Do you see what we did? Like, it's very simple. And so it takes away the question of, do you guys live together? You know, like, like it just takes that away and we see it. And I go, oh, hey, I noticed you guys have the same address. And so then this is what I do. I go, is that just because this is going to be the address you guys will live in when you get married? Or do you guys currently live here? And, and it's every single time it's been, no, we both live there. And so then as a pastor, what do I do? I want to please people. And so what I want to do in the flesh is go, okay, that's no big deal. We can work around. I mean, you guys can get married anyway, so it's okay, right? Like, I, that's what I want to do in the flesh. But in the spirit and as a pastor, I go, well, no, I know God's plan. I know what is best for you according to the word of God. So I have to tell you this. And so I've told several couples, you guys have to move out. And I've even said, I won't do your wedding. Like, I say it as lovingly as I can, because I'm not confrontational, right? I cannot do your wedding with a good conscience because I have to stand before God if you guys are going to continue to live together. There's been one time, and, and so people um, who know me have brought this up with me. There's one time I didn't do that. I did the wedding that day. Um, like I was like, I will marry you right now because they had kids involved. So they had been living together for like four years. They had two kids. And I just thought that could really mess with a kid to have daddy move out for three months and then move back in. Um, and I said, well, you guys have been living together. If you guys go to the court right now and, and get a marriage license, I'll, I'll do your wedding. And I did. And I don't know if that was the right decision or not, um, but that's the one time I have. Every other time when there hasn't been kids involved, I said, you have to move out. You, you have to get right before the Lord. And I explained like all of the reasons uh, for it, like marriage is sacrifice, this is sacrifice, um, all of that. But it's hard, I hate it. I hate it because I want to please people, but it's my shield. I stand behind. I go, this is, it's his standard. It's not mine. When I was an assistant pastor, it, I, I did the same thing with my senior pastor. Like, people would be upset with the decision. I'd be like, yeah, I know. Well, it was his decision. Like, yeah, it's the same idea, right? Like, it's like, like, hey, you can be upset all you want, but you're not upset with me. You're upset with the Lord. I, I taught through uh, um, 1 Timothy and 
ladies, if you don't know, 1 Timothy chapter 2 is a really difficult passage uh, for a man to teach <laughs> the congregation through because it talks about the woman's role, and a lot of ladies don't like it. And so a lady came up to me afterwards, and she said, that was the, like, the worst message I've ever heard. It was so, um, what was the word she used? Fundamental. Um, it's just like the, the finger is in the face. And I was like, um, <laughs> but, but, I, but I said to her, I was like, listen, I, I can appreciate all the reasons you're upset, but you're not upset with me. Like you're upset with the Lord. I said, if you can tell me, if you can tell me how this doesn't say that, then fine. But that's what it says. And so I was able to rest easy because I'm just, I'm trusting the word. It's my shield. I'm standing behind it. Um, I tell people this too when they teach, like hide behind the text. If you're hiding behind the text, it's your shield. So people criticize you. You go, I'm really sorry, but that's what the Bible says. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it can if we do, if I'm understanding your question, I think it can pollute our work if we do it for the wrong reason. Um, again, you guys are probably the most diligent, hardest workers here. And so I think most of the struggles you guys are gonna have is pride with your work. When we do that, now we have an issue um, because we're taking it as a sacrifice to the Lord and we're holding it. And we, we want the glory. So if we can work in such a way to give God all glory, then it's not polluted. But if we take any of it, then it is. Is that, am I answering the question? Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess I don't know. I, I guess I would say it's our goal to strive for. And it's, and it's our fight to wrestle with. You know, like I want to give God all glory, um, but I'm not going to lie, like, the flesh loves when people walk up to me afterwards and go, pastor, that was such a great message, you know? Um, and so now I'm fighting with, well, and then I, and then I also struggle too, because I don't want people to not, to feel discouraged, not to come up and encourage. And then at the same time, I'm also struggling with, I don't want to sound legalistic and be like, all glory to Jesus, brother. You know, like, um, so it, it's, it's a battle. Like, I just think it's, it's, it's just a matter of the heart. Uh, it's a matter of uh, determining within each of us, what we're doing and why we're doing it. I mean, if you're married, you understand this very, very well. Like, why did I wash the dishes? Well, I washed the dishes to bless my wife. Did you? Okay, I washed the dishes so my wife would say what a great husband I am. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's that temptation. And so it's just a matter of wrestling through it, I think. I don't know if we can do it perfectly. I think we can try to. I mean, gosh, how long do you have? Like there's so many verses. The problem though isn't that scripture is insufficient, it's that their heart is hard. Um, my in-laws love Kenneth Copeland. They love Joseph Prince. If you guys have seen Joseph Prince, I mean, he is, he's a piece of work. Um, they love Creflo Dollar. I'm like, I would never give to a ministry the guy's name is Dollar. Like. I just wouldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it in my right mind. But they, they love all of these false teachers. And I've talked to my father-in-law, like, until I was blue in the face. And I realized this is pointless. It's like casting pearls before swine because they don't really care. They're not interested. They, they've latched on to the false promises of fake prosperity. Like, the Bible teaches prosperity. But again, in the form of the fruit of the Spirit. Like, Paul, had, Paul prospered. He's in prison and he's writing a letter of joy. That's prosperity. The world can't mimic that. But these false teachers have taken it and they've matched it with what the world wants, 
which is money, success, you know, status, all those things. Um, health, like no joke, my father-in-law was visiting. <laughs> uh, he, he came from the hospital because he had an incident that happened. He was very sick. Um, and he came to my house and he's sitting there, like he's in a recliner like this. <sighs> like he's just not doing good. And I walk over to him and he's like, I wanted to give you this. And he gives me a pamphlet from um, Joseph Prince and it's all about communion. And in it, it says, you need to take communion like it's a prescription drug. This is what it says in the pamphlet. And when you take communion, people are gonna start saying to you, man, your skin looks so much better. You look so youthful. You, it, it's promising that you will have like physical blessings, health blessings from taking communion. My father-in-law gave it to me and the irony of it is he's sitting in this chair because he just came from the hospital. I'm like, did you take communion? I'm like, are you kidding? Um, he was taking um, my niece to the hospital in Tucson and it, it's him and his daughter who has had a very difficult life. Her husband passed away of cancer. So she's now raising all of her kids alone. And so she needed him to take them to the hospital. And the girl's in the back and she's not doing good. Um, I forget what the thing is that she had, but he's driving and he kept saying, she's not sick. She's not sick. I've claimed victory over her sickness. She's not sick. It's people like that, it's beliefs like that that give Christianity a really bad name. Um, and there's no amount of scripture. I shared so much scripture with him. I just think it's a matter of living it out and praying that real life actually slaps them enough in the face for them to realize. Because it, if they're not careful, they're gonna start, like they're gonna make those churches the beneficiaries of their will because there's churches out there that will do that. They'll set that up for them. And they're gonna waste everything on this. It's really sad. Just pray for them and love them as consistently and, and authentically as you can. I think that um, tending the garden was joyful for Adam until the curse. That's what I think. I think it's, you know, like we live in Florida. Everything grows. It's, I came from Arizona where nothing grows. And I moved out to Florida. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, kids, don't drop an apple. You know, like, I mean, it's gonna, like we're gonna have a tree tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is crazy. Um, and so it is, it is an insane amount of work to keep even a lawn in shape. Um, I, I just think it's highlighting the fact that what was once just joyful now is also laborious. Um, but I think there's joy in it too. Again, if, if we redeem it and we, we give glory to Jesus. But I think that's why it was highlighted. To all what? Oh, employees. I thought you said to all women. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I think all men and women. Um, yeah, I think that's some of the most encouraging verses for people who have really bad bosses in a really bad work environment. That you are serving, that first point I made, you're serving a different boss above your boss. It's encouraging to like a spouse when you have a really bad spouse. It's like, well, you're serving above your spouse. You're serving the Lord. That's what I think. I, I think regardless of the work environment. Now, that being said, I don't care what the environment is. If you're in abuse, whether that's in the home, in a marriage, in a work environment, then yeah, you should get out. Um, how do I encourage them? So are you saying, 
how do I encourage that person or how does that person keep their joy? Or both? Both, okay. Um, so first of all, when you encourage somebody who's in a dark place, uh, you need to make sure that, remember that, that truth is best received on the vehicle of love. So they need to know you love them. They need to know you love them. Um, so when I know someone's going through a really hard time, I always start by saying, I am so sorry. I'm not like owning, I'm not taking responsibility for their pain, but I'm, I'm empathizing or, or sympathizing if I can't empathize. Um, just saying, I am so sorry that you're going through what you're going through. But what I'm about to share with you, I always say this line, what I'm about to share with you is not me throwing scripture at you, but I'm sharing with you the, the best help that I know how to give, and that is the word of God. Because one time I was encouraging a sister-in-law um, of mine, and uh, she was really upset, and she said, stop just throwing Bible verses at me. And I responded just by like, I'm really sorry you felt that way. Like, and I just got quiet. because I'm like, she's not in a place to receive. But later I was pretty upset with her. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm like, that was, that's, those are the words of life. Like that was the best thing I know to do. And you just rejected it. Like, give me a break. Um, but I came back around. Uh, I was, I was nice. I promise. Um, but I always try to soften it by saying, I'm going to share this with you because I, this is the thing that will help most. Um, and then I'll share any scripture I can think um, uh, that, that will help them what they're going through. If I can relate, I try to relate only in some ways because I think one of the worst things we can do is say to somebody, oh yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I went through something just like that. Mine was way worse. You know, like people do this all the time though. Like I'm not, guys, I, I promise you, I promise you this is a true story. I'm telling somebody about my son who is really sick and someone said, oh, I know. When my dog gets sick, like, like, that's not the same thing. Like, we have to be very, very careful that we don't take their situation and make it about us, right? So, but when you, I think, I think that there is comfort in knowing that someone can understand. And so when, when I try to understand, I go, oh, I totally understand. I have felt the same way. Like, I have, I have had the same thought process. I think it's good for them to understand someone can understand. Um, but, but then... Like if someone's grieving something very heavy, like the loss of, of a loved one, honestly, I just come in and I just sit with them. I let them talk and I'm just quiet. Um, and if they ask me to share something, I will. But if not, I just love them. Let them cry. Let them say whatever they're gonna say. I don't hold them responsible for anything that they say in those moments. It's like, I get it. You're just going through it. Um, as far as how can one, if you are the person, how can you have joy? You have to look beyond your problem to the truth that you know, and that is that God is good, that he is a source of joy, that he has information that we don't have, and that he will use this together for the good. You have to look past it. Our problem is we take our problems, which are this big, and we put them right here. And so it's the only thing we can see. There's a whole world going on around us. We, we have the, the light of the sun shining, but we can't see it because we're just focused on our problems. And so to have joy, we have to move them to gain perspective. And then we see the joy of the Lord. It's not easy to do, but that's how we do it. Sure, no, it's great. So um, start every day by praying that the Lord will give you opportunity to share his love. That, that's number one. Um, that's, an answer, that's a prayer that the Lord answers all the time. You start the day, Lord, just give me an opportunity to share your love. Um, number two, 
Be bold to do what he's asking you to do, even if it makes you uncomfortable. I'll give you an example. Um, I was sitting at Starbucks. I like to study at Starbucks. I like to study at coffee shops um, because I like to have my Bible out. Uh, and I like, it, you know, just the attention it brings to the Lord and scripture and whatever. Um, and so there I am. And there's a lady that's uh, waiting in line for her drink. And this never happens to me. This never happens to me. The Lord impressed on my heart, you need to tell her I love her. And I, and I listened to the Lord. I looked back down. I was like, no. <laughs> I am not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to just walk up to this random lady and be like, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> I just wanted you to know that God talked to me. Um, and the Lord just convicted me. He's like, so you're not going to do it? You're not going to do the thing that makes you uncomfortable? <sighs> so I walked up to her and I was like, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, I know this is going to sound crazy. I know you're going to think I'm a lunatic. Like I, I did all of the insecure things up front, right? Um, and I said, but I'm sitting here minding my own business and this, this never happens, but the Lord impressed on my heart that you needed to know he loves you. That's it. And she started crying. And she said, I told the Lord this morning that I needed to know that he loves me. And I said, would you please just give me a sign that you do? You have to be willing to take the steps, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Now, as far as the questions and how can you get there, I would say, let it happen naturally, um, unless the Lord prompts you. Um, a great a great bit of advice I was given, um, and I would encourage all of you guys to try to live by this, be interested and not interesting. So what I mean by that is you don't sit there and wait for the person to be quiet. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay, let me tell you about a time when I did something better than that, right? <laughs> like, let, let me tell you about how amazing I am. Let me tell you about how interesting I am. But you actually sit there and you're interested in the person, you know, so they start telling you about f the film and you don't, you don't start picking it all apart in your brain. You're like, I would never do that. Like, so when I did my film, I, let, me, let me teach you. You just go, oh, interesting. So why did you do that? Oh, okay. Well, what made you make that decision? Oh, did this person influence you? Like, and you just, you're interested. It is amazing the walls that come, come down when you are just interested asking people questions. And before you know it, they're gonna be interested in you. And before you know it, you're gonna talk about the most important thing in your life, Jesus. For me, it's easy. I'm a pastor, so eventually the question comes back around, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm a pastor. You know, I love Jesus. I communicate his truth for a living. Does that help? Okay. Yep. Anybody else? It's really tough. It's an extremely tough decision, uh, or um, conversation to have. Um, this particular problem has some of the greatest justifications in the world for it. Well, I left abuse, I have nowhere else to go. If we stay together, we can save so much money. We'll stay in separate rooms and we won't sleep together. That's not gonna happen. Um, that, I, I'm like, well, if you guys can stay in the same place and not sleep together before you're married, then you shouldn't get married. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm like, I'm like, for real. Like, there's not a chance in the world my wife and I could have stayed in the same place before we married and not slept together. Um, so that, but, but that, they're gonna tell you all of these different things. Now, as a marriage counselor, it's a little bit different because they're coming to me for advice. And so I just tell them, right? Because you're coming to me. I'm like, you came to a pastor for advice. You're the guy's friend. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit, um, a little bit more is on the line. And, and you can't just necessarily come like as a marriage counselor. So I would recommend that you go to him as a friend 
and you say, bro, I love you like crazy, but this sort of thing concerns me because you're living, you're living in active sin. Um, and then because you're his friend, you say, what can I do to help you? Even if that means that he lives with you for a while. Even if it means that you help pay for him to move out, like you're in it with him. Um, and so he'll give you every excuse in the book and every excuse is gonna sound good, but that doesn't mean that it's good. Um, they're, they're gonna be able to justify all which way, because people do it all the time, all the time. And I'm telling you, I have never met a couple that was thankful that they slept together or they moved in together before marriage. It's because it's not, how, it's not as God intended. It's so much better to build the, the marriage on sacrifice. And you can tell them that. Are you married? Okay, great. So you can tell them that. You can say, hey, marriage is built on sacrifice. Every single day I have to sacrifice for my wife. So now you get the opportunity before marriage to sacrifice for her, to show her that she's worth the wait, to show her that she's worth all of the financial struggles that you're gonna have by, by moving out somewhere. Like you get to show her that she's worth it. She's gonna feel valued. She's gonna feel important, significant. And your mindset is now gonna be sacrifice. And so is hers. Every single couple that I've counseled that has moved out and done things right, every single one of them has come back and thanked me. And I'm like, you're not thanking me. Again, I'm, the, I'm a, uh, holding scripture up as a shield. Like, it's just the Lord. So I would encourage you to have a, a loving, non-judgmental, deep conversation with your friend. And if he won't listen to you, ask him to go to a pastor. Yeah. Um, so you're in a different spot. You're the younger sister. Um, and she's not a Christian. So it's different. Like we can, a problem that Christians have is we put our standards on the world. We try to, we try to make the dead act like the living. Like that's, it's ludicrous. You know what I mean? It's like you're looking at a cadaver saying, come on, just breathe. Like they can't. They're, you're like, we, we can't put our standard on them. Um, that frees us as Christians, that, that we just get to love completely without any of that standard and we trust that the spirit will change their heart if they get saved. Um, so I, I would encourage you that if the conversation comes up, you're free to share your opinion on it. You're free to say, hey, I know the Christian standard for me is this. But if she's not a Christian, that's what she's gonna do. She's gonna live with her boyfriend because that makes practical sense. It, it doesn't make spiritual sense and it's wrong but they can justify it practically. If she says to you, no, I am a Christian, then you can have that conversation. Oh, great, well, what fruit is in your life? Like, you know, like without being judgmental. You know, like, just as your sister, it, that confuses me because you're doing things that are contrary to what scripture says. So how, how are you a Christian? Like, what does that look like to you? You know what I mean? Does that help? Okay. Yeah, no, it's a hard heart and then church hurt is some of the most difficult things to deal with. So um, whenever someone says, I love God, but not his people, you take him to 1 John. Um, it's, I, I would encourage you to read it with her if she's open to it. Um, but it's so clear that she doesn't love God if she's not loving his people. Um, clearly she's in prison because she's bitter. It, bitterness is, guys, man, it's the thing I deal with most in counseling. Like, if you are bitter towards anybody, pray that God will release you from it because it's, it's a prison that you're trapped in. It's been said it's drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Like, it kills you. Um, so she's bitter, she's angry. Um, 
I would just show her as much love as you possibly can. Um, and I would show her the importance of church. I would talk to her about how much you love going to church, how, how the Lord spoke to you in the sermon recently. Hey, can I share with you? You know, Pastor Zach said this in a message and it was so good. I loved it. And then, oh, my friend at church, she did this. And I, I you know, just be authentically Christian in front of her. Um, and, and just say to her, I mean, give her an open invitation. Say, hey, I'm not gonna press you, but I would love for you to come to church with me sometime. Like, I haven't had the same church hurt you have, and I'm so sorry you have, but it would just mean so much to me. But no pressure, that's an open invitation. Um, I think as Christians, we can, like, be legalistic, prideful, like, you know, try to beat people down because we think we have it right, because we're doing the right thing, but we're doing it the wrong way. Um, So just uh, love her as best as you can, is what I'd say. It's a hard one, though. Yeah, pray. Yeah. All right, we're past time, uh, so I'm going to pray um, let you guys go get your food, and uh, we'll go from there. Father, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Thank you for uh, this time that we're able to spend together. We love you. We trust you. Um, Lord, we want you to get all the glory from our life. So anywhere where we touch the glory, we pray, Lord, that you would convict us, reveal that to us, and, and allow us to respond. Uh, we love you, Jesus. Please bless this food, and it's your name that we pray. Amen.